Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In my opinion, it's the greatest celebration in all of sports. Watching water polo players and coaches make the victorious leap into the water at the final buzzer. It gives me chills every time. And for the first time since 2002, we saw the Stanford Cardinal men's team do just that, with the Whittier Poets joining them as the first ever Division III national champion hours earlier. Christmas is around the corner, and while we might struggle with wrapping gifts for our loved ones, I think Bosco and I put a nice bow on the 2019 NCAA men's season that was. One of, if not the most memorable, seasons ever. Filled with upsets from start to finish, the GCC putting itself on the map, and topped off with a great weekend of high-stakes games. We review it all, including sound bites from the Division III Championship press conferences and way-too-early picks for the 2020 champion on this, episode number 29 of the Crosscast Podcast. Thanks for listening. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. We have come to our conclusion. Stanford, 2019 NCAA Men's Water Polo Champions. The season down. is over. Tigers. It's over. We made it. It came and went. We made it through another one. My hardest goodbye, but my favorite hello, however that sounds. Or how does that go? How does that saying I go? I don't know what saying you're talking <laughs> about. I'm not going to lie. Oh, okay. I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. That's one, yeah. See, that's a good one, too. That's the one I was also that's, thinking of. It's a real OG. It's like you're my favorite hello and my hardest goodbye or some oh, shit okay, like that, that. That makes more some sense. Some romantic shit. Hey, I got a question for you. Go ahead. How do you eat your double stuffed Oreos? I got three different ways. Option A, I just eat it all at once, like everything. Yeah. Option B, I twist off, then scrape said filling you scrape it off you don't lick it off don't lick it off not like a a tootsie pop no scrape filling eat the filling then close the cookies and then eat the cookies okay option three or c whatever you want to go i twist i twist off eat one cookie with the icing on it with the icing on it and then i eat the other cookie does it matter which one goes first uh i prefer filling going (laughs) first because you taste that shit (laughs) yep this is the CrossPass Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Coming at you. Holla at us on Twitter at CrossPass Pod. Let us know mm-hmm. how you like to eat your double stuff Oreos. There's got to be double stuff, too. None of that sh- other shit. Single <laughs> stuff. There's not thin. enough. Or these other crazy ass things that Oreos be coming out with. There's like a churro Oreo. Really? Yeah, there's like, that one. Like, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff for Oreos. Dude, yeah, it's like a little bit too wild for me. Because those were a staple in my household growing up. Just with standard double stuff. They kind of mess around with like wintertime ones, you know, like there'd be yeah. peppermint or something. It's cool. I do like Chips Ahoy Chewy, though. Chewy cookies, always. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookies are the way to my heart. Just, 100%. Just putting that out there. All right, so here we are. Episode number 29. Yep. The last, the wrap-up of the 2019 men's season. That was. Yep. Um. So... Like we said, follow us on Twitter at CrossPassPod. I posted some stuff from over the weekend on Instagram at CrossPassPod as well. I feel like I was there. Yeah, I know. That was the point. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it worked out. Um, and then, for all your listening needs, you can find us at the Believe Podcast Network. B-L-E-A-V. 
The Believe Podcast Network, Podcast Network is your number one sports podcast for your favorite teams and cities. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? That's right, baby. Um, so yeah, just going to kind of break down the episode here for you today. We're going to start off with... The NCAA Championship. Before that... Oh, well, we're talking about some trivia. <laughs> so trivia... And then, uh, and then, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about the NC2A Championship Tournament, the Division Three National Championship, complete with press conference sound bites, plus uh, the USA Women's Senior Teams playing in the Canada Cup somewhere within that large, vast body of land to our north, our neighbors, and the USA Junior uh, Men's Team is playing in the World Championships starting tomorrow, which reminds me, today is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. And then uh, we're going to wrap things up with uh, way too early picks for the 2020 men's season. So, Bosco, like we said, we're going to start off with... Trivia. Trivia. Um, So, last week's question. Most wins by an NCAA champion. Guess the year and the team for the bonus points. Uh, 31 by UCLA, and I think I said 2015. Um, Or 2016. Well... In 2015, they did go undefeated, only 30 wins. Uh, okay. A uh, team that did have 31 wins was the 1992 Cal team that beat Stanford in sudden death, 12-11. Okay. Our birth year. Yeah. And the winner is, though, is 1986. The Stanford Cardinal, coached by Dante Dedamenti, beat Cal 9-6 with a total overall record of 36-0. and Damn, that's a lot of games. 36 games is so Fuck. many. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what that win streak was. Like, I wonder if you know, how much farther they went. Well, I'll tell you if they won the year before in just a second. <laughs> they did win the year before. Whoa. They won. Uh, they went 25-4 and four that year. So, depending on where the last yeah. loss in there fell. And then... Um, yeah, they didn't win in 87, so obviously it snapped some time there. Well, congrats. Yes. Um, this week, don't have a question. It's okay. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's just dive right into this, shall we? The meat and potatoes of the season, <laughs> the garlic mashed potatoes. It starts off with the semifinals, and the first, well, actually it was the latter of the two, but either way. It deserves to go first. Yeah, exactly. Yo-P faced off against the Pepperdine Waves, and they walked away with the victory 17-13 to in front of their home Stockton fans, the three guys dressed in like an orange jumpsuit. Those classic ones speedos. that cover their face. Yeah, they were nice. getting a lot of... Were they wearing sunglasses too? I don't remember. It was raining like a motherfucker that Saturday. Dang, yeah, it was. Uh, so anyway, back to the game. Waves went up 4-3 to after the first quarter. I did watch uh, this game, and... Dilworth, or not Dilworth, yeah, Dilworth, he drew a couple kickouts and was pretty big in two meters, but as I was sitting here talking to our other roommate, Dan Newell, the whole time I was watching the first quarter, I was like, it's just inevitable that UOP is just going to come out and handle, and that's exactly what they did after you know winning the game 17-13, but from what I saw, uh, Pepperdine just couldn't handle UOP's two meter guys. Every time the ball would go into two meters, it was a kick out or a goal um, they just looked overpowering in two meters for Pepperdine, which I thought was interesting because uh, they do have a couple two-meter guards. But either way, like, UOP just dominated. It was a hat trick for the Waves for Balash Kosa, 
Four others had two goals, and Jean-Claude Marco, am I saying that right? That sounds right. With seven saves getting lit up. The Tigers were led by their baller, Luke Pavillard, with five Gs, a hat trick for George Stanich, three players with two goals, and the big thing here about this game, 11 saves for Joey McLean. Why is that a big deal? Because that was his second game all season. Crazy. What the fuck was that? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's a big time decision there. Like you, yeah, you, you're just you rode your freshman John Barry all season long, and yeah. it obviously he was worth something considering your regular season championship, where you are in this current moment. But decided to go with the guy coming off of injury. Well, yeah, and just like I don't know, yeah, exactly. Like second, this is gonna be his second game of the year. Yeah, heading into it. And it's a semifinal game. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, 11 saves. Yeah. No, I mean, 11 saves, but, I mean, still allowed 13 goals. And, you know, watching the game, too, it was, he did let in some stuff. And then, I mean, we'll talk about the championship game. But either way, after that game, Pepperdine, of course, pumping itself up a little bit on the Twitter. And they had <laughs> mentioned that they had gotten the most wins this season or something right yeah, like yeah, yeah. most wins by a team this season and harvard with the twitter fingers little <laughs> ghost rider little drake action comes back with some beach umbrella shade from the east coast yeah. it says that little asterisk second most yeah. behind them obviously but yeah that's a little twitter well, beef going so, on <coughs> nope some went some wendy's never frozen beef right there <laughs> let's go but yes, yeah. so UOP moves on. Did you get to? You were announcing, so you didn't really get to see yeah, anything. Yeah, I didn't get to huh? watch this one at all. Yeah, so UOP advances and they go on to face the winner of Stanford USC. In many people's eyes, the real championship game, I guess you would say. Maybe, maybe not that, but maybe the game everybody wanted to see in the championship, minus yeah. a Stockton fan. Yeah, I think like. Uh, clearly there's like strong alumni support from both sides and then i think just like even like the most casual water polo fan to like like the more diehard ones like this is the matchup like you said that everybody was like really anticipating seeing yeah it just didn't come at the like equivalent time yeah and of course i watched the fuck out of this game because (laughs) i was ready for it and on i mean it helps my picks out and everything, but as a fan, motherfucker, Stanford takes down USC in sudden death, 15 to 14. I feel like, number one, that's a great semifinal game, but that's also the epitome of like a, like a championship game, too. Oh, yeah. Like it was like that, it was what a championship imagine game. If that, yeah. Imagine if like that game winning goal was Yeah, the exactly. Title. And it was rainy, good shit, like got that yeah. atmosphere out there. Trojans are denied their 15th straight title game appearance. Couldn't clean sweep the decade. Nope. Just couldn't do it. Um, this game, though, was just like pretty crazy back and forth for a little bit. And then Stanford pulls away. But I will say before we get into like the stats and everything, there was one thing that I took away from this game. And I think overall from the tournament, and it's going to sound pretty crazy, but I'm hyping my boy Tyler Abramson up. Yes. He say, one, say it. Number one, I picked him to be a Catino finalist, and I'm pretty goddamn sure he's gonna be now. Like it's gonna be him, Halleck, and Pavillard, like, in my opinion. Yeah. But the dude was just on another level that game and against UOP in the finals. Like, I I will say this with with confidence, he was the best player in the pool of the tournament. 
Oh, yeah. Like, hands down. From I, the stuff that I saw, yeah. Like, just little things. Like, obviously, Ben Halleck is going to get, like, you know, because he's Ben Halleck and Pavlard has all these nasty goals. But Abramson does the little things, and he scores fucking goals. Yeah. Like, bringing some heat yeah. out there. Just laying, laying, yeah, like, laying out. Days, yeah, he's like, outlegs people to death. Yeah, but he's just bringing some nasty, and, like, defensively, like, I don't know how many times I watched him steal the ball up top this tournament. Just, like, quick pickpocket and down the pool. Things like that. And then the final thing and the most important, he's dishing the ball to everybody. Yeah. He's lefty. He's making the sick passes on six on five, passes into Ben, passes into Wood, like everybody. And like he's setting it all up. So like that's what I really took away from the game is like Tyler Abramson is legit. And the second part to that, he needs to be on the men's national team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, son. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Like, I get it. I know I talked to you after, like, you know, after the games and stuff like that. I guess, like, he is jacked, but he's not tall. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess that's, like, a huge thing now. It's like, you have to be tall or whatever. But we don't have a lefty. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like Vavich is going to be on the national team. I don't see, unless Pavelard can change his <laughs> citizenship or whatever, yeah. you know? But, like, there's no, I, I don't think Moulton, like, he's too young, you know what I mean? But, th- dude, Abramson is legit. Yeah. Like, he play, he plays so intense. He scores mad goals. He's good at, like, I think he well-deserved to be on the team. We don't have a lefty. Slide his ass on in there. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I 100% agree here. I mean, yeah, like, of course, like, everybody, yeah, you want all your players top to bottom to be, like, 6'3", at least, or whatever. Yeah. But this is the best that you have right now in terms of options. Yeah, and, like, he's strong. Like, you definitely have to be strong to play at the international level. And then, like you said, just, like, pool vision as a lefty, like, and obviously a super dangerous scoring threat. Um, I, I wish there was, like, compilations of all of his goals because I would like to see, like, what kind of different shots he has from that angle and stuff. He and, just uses his I don't his know whole... how good he is, like, on the inside, you know, if they yeah. would, like, want to run isolated. You know, I'm going a little deep here, but... I just like the way he plays. Like, dude, when he gets up in fakes, he uses his whole body and, like, yeah. everything into his shot and just throws some nasty... Nasty shit at the cage. Yeah. And I also like it for another reason. So, like, we've said it a bunch of times, like, dynamic duo. It's like him and Ben at Stanford, uh-huh. I think, would translate really well to the international level, too, because they play with each other, and those are, like, literally two huge positions, you know, six on six on five, and then your two-meter player. Mm-hmm. You know, besides two-meter guard, I think when you're filling out a team, like, those are, like, two things yeah. that you really got to look at. So the chemistry is already there. You know what I mean? Like they can read each other even better. Yeah. So I think it'd do wonders for the men's team. And for what it's worth, he wears number two and he goes to Stanford. Last lefty to be on the team from Stanford, Peter Varelis, also wore number two. Cool shit. There you go. There you go. Drop. Mic drop. Yeah. Uh, some other things, you know, from the game, USC five goals in the fourth quarter to force overtime, including the game winner by Luke Wyatt at the last second. Only his, like, I think, like his 17th goal of the year or something oh, like really? that. Uh, but it all comes down to like what happened earlier in the game. Dobey and Earhart uh, majored from the game, and then Merchep was also kicked out. So I mean, they were just down players going into overtime, so they needed that. Did you watch any of the highlights of like? There's one. There's two big things that stick out for like why it went into overtime for me. To, well, I guess for USC. Um. No, like, really the only highlights I saw, of course, like, the game-winning goal. Yeah. And then the game-tying goal to send it to overtime, but I didn't really get to watch too much. Motherfucking Nick Porter let in some garbaggio, dude. Yeah, it was like, I think it was end of the first quarter or maybe the end of the second going to the half. Somebody, like, legged up and, like, threw, like, a weak skip. Like, it was so weak. Like, just, like, time running out sort of thing. And it, like, took a weird hop and hit, like, right under his arm. 
And I was like, oh my God, dude. Like all I could think about, I was like, that is like for sure going to cost them later. Actually, now that you mentioned that, it's funny because you remember the first time UCLA beat USC? Garrett Danner at half, from half, dude. Wasn't it Garrett from half or something? No, it was a senior on the team. Oh, but either way, he scored on McQuinn from yeah, half. McQuinn yeah, McQuinn tipped up off his fingertips and in behind him at the yeah. halftime. No, that's that's exactly what it reminded <laughs> me of. I was like, holy shit, Like this is for it's sure going to come again. back again. And then he let in some other garbage kind of later, but he did have a penalty save. But In overtime. Yeah, I know, but like he... Oh, it's big. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the game winner scored by Ben Halleck, and who would have guessed it? Dry pass. Off of a fucking course. Pass. I'm not gonna lie. So when I was at D threes, like I was like I was like saying score updates, like whenever it was like it fit in, you know. Um, and then like like we were doing quarter breaks and stuff, and so like I was like I was kind of like going more like almost play by play style. Just being like, I'm like, all right, like USC has a six on five with 15 seconds left. They call the timeout and then they score. And I'm like, yo, like they scored. Um, like to force overtime. And then it was another quarter break. And like we, like I was sitting right next to the girl doing the Fosh from Whittier. And I was like, dude, like pull up the stream right now. And so we were watching it. Yeah. And, uh, and then like the game winner happened. And then I saw a video of it. And then I, I was like, and like Ben Halleck with the game winner for Stanford, and I was like, "You guessed it, water polo fans. <laughs> yeah. It was a dry pass." And I was like, "I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many people would have really yeah, got like, that." What the fuck is this guy but talking I, about? I felt like I had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So Stanford advances, but dude, I'm gonna stand on USC a little bit. But dude, fucking props, man. They oh, were yeah. down that game, and they forced they sick game tying goal. Force it into a sudden death, like down three of their arguably like their most important players. Yeah. And they still like got so close to an overtime, but or to a victory in sudden death. But so huge thing that also like happened like coaching wise. So obviously the main reason why Stanford was able to score a goal is they won the sprint and was able to call a timeout because the timeout they had in regular overtime rolled over. Uh-huh. So you kind of think like, how crazy is that? Like Vargas like never used uh, a timeout. He just like you know, I mean, he obviously just had a possession there, and he was just like, screw it, like we're gonna see what happens. Yeah. And so I just was thinking about, I'm like, there's no way I would have, I could have done that as a coach. Like, yeah, I feel like absolutely, I'm taking a timeout. <laughs> like that's scary as shit. What if he just forgot? <laughs> well, so I know, yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, oh, shit. Wait. <laughs> yeah, the, somebody on the bench is like, yo, you got one time out. Like, Drew Holland was like, coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so pretty nasty. And, dude. It worked out. Yeah, it was good. It worked out for him. Um, yeah, Jacob Merchip had five goals. Three different players had two. Actually, just remind how about this for a trivia question? The player with the most goal scored in the championship game this decade. Do I got a guess right yeah, now? Yeah, go right now. Uh, I'm going to say six by Kostas Genadonius. Right. Just because I like his name and he was a baller. Wanna and pick a year? Six whenever he played. <laughs> <laughs> I believe his senior year was 2012 when yeah. he like, defeated. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Um, yeah, you'll find out next week. If you think you have the answer, holla at us on Twitter at CrossPassPod. Yeah. Anyways, back to this. Um, and then yeah, obviously Hannes and Jake uh, Jake Earhart being out um, doesn't help down the stretch. No, I'm pretty convinced at this point that like Hannes just had to have assumed a role of just like P 
people are going to respect me no matter what as a shooter and like as a player just being here. And I'm just going to use that to like make my teammates better. Because mm-hmm. I, he only took... He only took... Okay, only took... He took six shots in the game, but I, which I feel like is a, like a lot for what he had been doing up to that point. Like there are some games where he only had two. There was a stat that I read a couple weeks ago where like after they beat... Stanford, I think it was, or UCLA, like, he had scored one goal on three shots, and, like, two of them were in, like, you know, one of those games or whatever. So, mm-hmm. anyways. Um, and then for Stanford, which Woodhead, we're going to play our little game here, which Woodhead had five goals? Dylan. The answer is Quinn. Oh. Quinn Woodhead had five goals. Dylan had one. Ah. And then, yeah, Ben Halleck and Abramson each had four. Uh, Andrew Chun had 13 saves in goal for the Cardinal. Um, and, uh, yeah, you had mentioned Abramson, a shout for the national team. Was there anybody else from the tournament that you thought maybe deserves to be in the conversation? No, I think, like, I definitely watching him play, I was just, like, really impressed. Like, this guy doesn't get enough credit or just enough spotlight, but he's a good, he's a really, really good player. Yeah, I think... He I throws mean, the ball fucking hard. There is not a doubt in my mind... That he's like already training with them yeah. because he played at like the like the World University Games or whatever and all that stuff, and like I just you know they keep a larger pool of players to train with and stuff. Um, but yeah, he should like probably get one of these top twelve caps here. Yeah. Um, for me, and it's probably still a ways off because he's only a sophomore. Um, but I was pretty impressed with AJ Rossman, mm. two meter defender starting for Stanford. Um, a just because like. He's like he's a pretty confident shooter. I think he scored the opening goal of the final little donut action. Um, he had a first quarter hat trick in the game too, and I know he scored some goals in this game, at least one. Okay, no, he didn't score any. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> but it seems like I see him scoring a lot. Is my point? Yeah, no, and I get um, it. and uh, like I saw a picture of him like out of the water after they won and stuff, and like he seems like a like a pretty strong guy as you would like need to be. I think, you know, like, to get to the next level, we'd probably have to get, like, even stronger. But I think just, like, from a defensive standpoint, you know, like, um, like they obviously have Rolso on the national team and Chancellor, but I think, like, he could be, like, one of those younger guys, like, kind of, like, making their way up. As I'm sure at his age now, like, they're probably going to begin to get these kinds of calls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was... And then, I mean, Dylan Woodhead's already played for the national team, so he'll still be in the mix. Maybe Quinn will get a, a look in sometime soon. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, from Pacific, I guess since I just not, like rattled off some Stanford players, Luis Araya doesn't seem like a bad player. Ghetto bird alert. Yeah, exactly. Watch the ghetto bird, man. I mean, they throw it international. It could translate. <laughs> um, and so there you go. Those are the semifinals. And now on to the actual championship game. Yep. Uh, first things first. I mean, we kind of feared the worst with this going into it in mm-hmm. terms of like where the excitement would lie and um yeah i, I feel like 95 percent of the people listening to this point already know the final score it was 13-8 yep. in favor of stanford um and uh yeah it was i mean they were leading 10 to 3 at one point it was just kind of like started off really good and then like well yeah like so i, I like kind of to harp on the whole goalie thing so like watching the game like at very very first like opening minute or two was kind of you know whatever kind of sloppy and then pretty sure stanford scored on their first possession uh second at least yeah no so this is what i'm getting to so uh the very first goal was some nasty nut very nasty 
But either way, so the UOP goalie McLean like stopped two, you know, stopped two balls, you know, from going in, and he's like getting just jacked in the goal, like just <laughs> pumping fists. Like obviously it's at home, so he's like going crazy. And I just like remember thinking, I'm like, dude, like this is not gonna end well. And he after yeah. that, like just I think they went like six for their next six or something, like something ridiculous, like just scoring like crazy. And I thought, and I was like, dude, this guy kind of like gave it to himself right there. And after that, like, Stanford just rolled on this guy. Like, he just couldn't stop anything. I was watching the game with my dad. Well, like, we were also watching the f- some NFL football going on, but <laughs> I had the game on my phone, and I was watching it with my dad. And he's, like, only watched me play, you know, in college, you know, high school, like, you know, nothing really too crazy, you know? So he's, like, not, like, a bi- you know, big connoisseur of the sport, but, he, you know, he's, like, damn, like, that goalie's just not good- doing well, huh? Oh, like, no. no, dude, he's getting lit up. Dang. So I thought that was just a huge thing, like – you know, we'll talk about it later, but either way, you know, just the whole goalie change. I yeah. think that was really crazy in my opinion. And that guy just got absolutely lit up. And I think his confidence was shook. Like if you really watch that first half, like he couldn't block a thing. And I felt like Stanford knew it. Um, so just some stats really quick from the game. AJ Rossman and Ben Halleck with a hat trick each. Meanwhile, Tyler Abramson, Bennett Williams, and Parker Killian each had two. Uh, five saves only for Andrew Chun. And then for the Tigers, Luke Pavlard, 3-for-3 to lead the team. Um, Andrea Denardi had two goals. Jeremy Cote was 1-for-9. And then Jay Halva, a senior, and Bogdan Jerkovic each had the remaining scores. Uh, Four saves for Joey McClain and then John Barry, the guy they'd been riding all season long, came back with nine saves in the second half. Well, exactly. It was nine. It was, like you have it here, ten three at one point in the third quarter, and then the final score was thirteen to eight. So I mean, after that, they scored them, outscored them. Yeah, you know, uh, five to three. But also another thing that I was thinking too, and like kind of talking about with you off the air is like the pressure of them playing at home. Uh-huh. You know, and not wanting to fail in front of their home crowd. Like when you watch that game in the second half, there was a lot of individual play. Like a lot of do like somebody threw a ghetto bird alert out there. Araya. Yeah, exactly. And like just in th- like other kind of stuff that was just a lot of one on one, I feel like individual play. Yeah. Which should, I can go off on a tangent here a little bit because I mean Araya is not a foreign person, but like they have a lot of foreigners on their team and I always feel like that whenever I watch a team like that, like I think of Whittier when we played yeah. stuff, like those guys tend to like go I feel like deep into their own like playing you know they're like i'm the best player here and like i'm gonna do this on my own like out of pure frustration Uh you know and then it doesn't lead to good play at all and i feel like that's what was going on with the team like a lot of guys like just tried to put the team on their back and like it just didn't work you know yeah um yeah pacific it's kind of rare to see them be held under 10 goals Mm -hmm. and um so i mean obviously credit to stanford's defense especially because i mean chun only had five saves so obviously a lot of work was being done in front of them um but yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, I I only got to watch like kind of most of the game. I was totally not having it on my dashboard driving back from Whittier, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh and then yeah, I got to catch like some of the second half when I got home. But um yeah, I mean congratulations to both teams. Obviously the Cardinal um coming back with their first ship since two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Um, which the last time they had won was John Vargas's first year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and then of course, shouts out to the Tigers. Second time they're national runner-up. Um, and of course, they had the GCC regular season conference title as well. And um, yeah, I'm sure that they'll be back. Um, the all-tournament team. Um, 
I wasn't able to find anybody from Davis or Bucknell for as much research as I was doing, but um, Ben Halleck took the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the first team was Abramson, Pavillard, Engine, Ege Cholak. I heard Greg Meskel say his name, so I was like, oh, got to remember that. No yeah. one's butchering it all year. And then um, from USC, Merchep and Nick Porter. The second team, Jeremy Cote, George A. Stanich, A.J. Rossman, Quinn Woodhead, Bennett Williams, and Andrew Chun. And then I was able to find that Chris Dilworth and Balash Kosa made it for Pepperdine. Don't nice. know like what kind of the placement was. Yeah. Um, and then I also saw randomly that um, Dan Leeson and Kevin um, Rosa. Rosa, yeah, the co-coaches of the year in the WWPA. Mm-hmm. So shouts out to them. Um. So before we move on to the D three championship, like, is there anything like any parting words for the season? Um, I mean, no. I think it's like everything we have already said before. Like, it was a exciting year. Hell yeah! You know, uh, very balanced throughout, and unfortunately, the championship game kind of wasn't that. But it's still good to see another team. As much as I would have liked to see a USC Stanford championship, it is still cool to see another team besides the big four in the championship. And Most it would have been pretty bitching if they won, but it's okay. Yep. No, I, There's I, always I, four years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I entirely agree. Um, like I put on Twitter after the game, like this one is one for the books, you know, mm-hmm. like between all the upsets and then just like all the parody and stuff. And then like kind of all the hubbub that came up about the tournament itself and like the, like the brackets and, who got in, who was left out, all that kind of stuff. Like, And then, I mean, Jovan, Jovan. Yeah. They only have one more, right? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, before he comes through our back door and kills us or yells at us. Um, like, obviously, that has a big part of this as well, everything that happened surrounding him and the program. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just obviously like one of the more noteworthy years. It didn't just kind of ramble on like it how it does mm-hmm. so it's only a good thing um i think i speak for like all water polo fans when i say i hope it continues and um yeah we'll just we'll see what's in store next year for 2020 when all these national team players that weren't tired already are going to be coming fresh to death yeah off of a whole semester off of school and a whole like second half of winter spring and summer training to lead into next year's 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. (laughs) All right. So, moving on. The first ever USA Water Polo Division III Collegiate National Championship went down on the same weekend. Yeah. Which I will say again, I'm a little disappointed that it was because I'm sure there would be a lot of people who wish they could be in two places at once. Um, It was just honestly so, if you guys missed the last episode, I was there. And like I alluded to earlier, I was the PA announcer at the pool for the tournament. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and just honestly, like the whole experience, like I, I felt like it was honestly like really, really well run. Um, just like in terms of like there was a lot of fans, um, like everything like operationally wise, like went smooth. It was a fun tournament to watch, you know, like you had these two West Coast teams, the two East Coast teams and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I think like all the games were like pretty exciting in their own way. So um, just getting started here at the semifinals, uh, Whittier beat MIT 12-8. Mm-hmm. Bosco, you predicted the correct score for that game. If I was a betting man, I'd be <laughs> you probably You should probably think about being a betting man at this point. Yeah. Um, let's see here. If I could find the game. Just to find the stats. Well, anyways, um, 
what's it called? Yeah, Whittier, I mean, they're kind of like in control the whole time, you know. They're the number one seed. MIT was number four. And, um, yeah, I mean, they just they kind of just like got out to like a solid lead and they held it. And, like that was kind of it, you know, like they weren't like exactly like heavily strained to earn the win. Um, whereas like in the CMS Johns Hopkins game, it was like actually like they kind of had to work for it. Um, let's see here. I've got the scores up here now. So there were two goals each for Eric Barunda, Cornelius Creek, Ricardo Reyes Jr., Hans Zulcic, and Dominic Navarez. Their goalie, Mirat Ersas, made 14 saves. Uh, for MIT, Miller Geschke had four goals and Clyde Hubricks had two and seven saves for Hayden Niederreiter. Um, and yeah, I mean, Whittier was up 7-4 at halftime and then, like I said, they just kind of cruised. In the other semifinal, um, CMS beat Johns Hopkins 14-11. to And like I said, they actually had to kind of like work for that one for a little while. Like Johns Hopkins was playing really well. Mm-hmm. They only had like 14 guys, 15 guys on their team. But, um, like, they honestly do, like, a pretty good job. And, um, like, they just, like, they knew, like, what they wanted to do in order to succeed. And they were, like, definitely succeeding at it. But I just think, like, as time went on, like, CMSs, I mean, like, they were just, like, a bit more talented and obviously deeper. Like, they just have a larger roster than them. Um, yeah, I was tied at five at halftime. And then CMS, they won each of the final two quarters, um, by two goals and one goal each, respectively. And, um, yeah, so to lead the Stags, it was Zach Rossman, Sam Harrison, and C.J. Box with two. Christian Thornton had three. Noah Smith had 15 saves. For Johns Hopkins, uh, Jake Pearson had one. John Murphy won. Olin Shipstead, two. Steven Schmidt, two. And Emerson Sullivan with three. And Max Fleming had seven saves. And Jaden Kunwar, excuse me, had two goals also for Johns Hopkins. He had, like, 80-something goals on the year. Mm. Guy's just, like, kind of a baller. Um and yeah, we both predicted correctly to be like the winners of these games. Uh, the, th- the third place game, MIT beat Johns Hopkins 20 to 13. And did that game drag on, dude, forever? 33 goals. Yeah. Like, it was just like, dude, can this game kind of like be over with mm-hmm. by now, you know? And like, I don't know. It was just like kind of getting ridiculous at the end. Although I got to shout out my guy, Clyde Hubers from MIT. Last game of his career dropped the seventh spot. Nice. Good so, way to go out. Exactly. Uh, Hayden Niederreiter, also a senior, he had 12 saves. Uh, Johns Hopkins had three goals. Or I'm sorry, Finn Banks had three, good, three goals for Johns Hopkins, and Everson Sullivan had four for them. Um, yeah, I mean, MIT, so they had lost to Johns Hopkins in the championship game of the CWPA Division Three tournament. That's why um, MIT was the fourth seed. And uh, what's it called? They, I mean, they got their revenge. Yeah. But also, um, Johns Hopkins, they just, I don't know, they weren't really quite getting it done defensively for me, obviously. But, like, just, like, one-on-one, like, everybody kind of looked like they were. It was, like, typical, like, last game kind of, like, vibes where you're just, like, just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. You know? Going through the motions. Yeah. Did you get to watch any of this tournament, by the way? Uh, I watched the first like uh maybe quarter and a half of the first semifinal game of Whittier MIT okay but then the other the D1 games were on yeah. so I definitely switched that yeah, bounce out did you okay. hear me uh I did hear you like say people's names I think that was about it I tried to listen but 
you were drowned out by the other guys. That's the live stream that was going on, which was okay. The for the, like the D three game was pretty good. Oh yeah, that's true. You got to watch the live streams of it. Yeah, um, like the cameras were good. The the streaming was kind of funny, like the people announcing and all that, but not water polo people. One of the guys, I think one of the guys was like more of like a. It seemed like he wasn't a water polo person, but was like a like always does their games if that makes okay. sense like he's yeah. always on so like knows enough to talk about it i see and like had stats and was like saying like oh man they've been a counter-attack team all year like oh that's cool and stuff like that so I was like oh that's good and then the other guy i felt like was playing catch-up like you know like right. piggybacking and stuff like that but it's all good now. yeah yeah it was good yeah it was and what about the cameras they had like more than one going yeah it was like there was like three cameras i think that like one from each side and then like one in the middle or something so like every time the ball would like move to like a certain spot in the pool like going down the pool the camera would change oh so it was good good job usa water polo. yeah i'm assuming it was then oh if it had like that, that put it on yeah it had to have okay. been yeah um yeah and so the championship game uh whittier is your first ever division three collegiate national champion after beating skyhack rival claremont mud scripts five three quite the low scoring affair mm-hmm like just in terms of water polo in general these days, um, and then especially after like two weekends prior, in the Skyac title game, it was thirteen to twelve. So I just thought it was pretty interesting, and um, I do have sound from like they had like little press conferences after, and so uh-huh. um, got to ask questions of each of the coaches, and there were some players there too, and so like I kind of get like more into it with them, but just my observations from the game. Um, I mean, it was 2-1 to one CMS after the first, then Whittier um, outscored them 4-0 in the second to go up 5-2. to two. But if you're keeping track, that that's it for Whittier. Yeah. They had zero goals in the second half, and they still managed to win. <laughs> However you got to do it. Yeah, I mean, which I think is crazy, too, because if I'm, if I'm from CMS, you're like, what the hell, dude? Like, we pitched a second-half shutout, and we could only score one goal? Yeah. Like... Just super good defense from both sides. Um, I thought the goalies honestly played like pretty tremendously. Like there well, were yeah, like, there wasn't sure. any crap that went in. Um, I mean, like all the goals were like like well worked and like well earned. You know, like it was quality stuff. It's just like you know, like goalies coming up with saves or just hitting the bar, whatever. Um, and then yeah, I just I don't know. I thought it was crazy, especially because like CMS is is like in, at least in our experience of watching, like I feel like they've always been a team. And I talked about this with Lonzo that, um, or maybe it was Casa, I forgot. Yeah, it was Casa. But um, like CMS always has like a really good field player, a good two meter player, and a goalie, mm-hmm. you know. And then like Lonzo just like fucking makes it work. And um, and what I mean by all that is that like they can just score, you know. And like yeah, so it was just kind of surprising to see like things just not kind of turn out for them. Um, so the goal scorers for the Stags were Will Clark. He was one for eight. Dude, that guy couldn't buy a goal. Like, really? So many field blocks and just like, yeah, he just couldn't buy one. Uh, CJ Box scored out of two meters and Cost Klobuchar had one goal. Noah Smith, the goalie, had 13 saves. Um, Carlos Heredia-Viteri had one goal for Whittier. So did Eric Barunda, Micah Kamai, Dominic Navarez, and Max Murphy. 15 saves from Mirat Ursos, who was named the tournament MVP. Nice. Um, the rest of the all-tournament team was... From Whittier, it was Dominic and, oh man, can I remember the other one? Hans. And then from Johns Hopkins, it was Finn Banks. From CMS, it was Zach Rossman and Noah Smith. And then from 
Um, Johns Hopkins, it was, I don't know, from MIT, it was Clyde Klobuchar and um, the goalie Hayden Niederreiter. All so, right. Look at that, my memory. There you go. Coming into work. Um, so, yeah, now the first bit of sound, excuse me, the first bit of sound we're going to hear is going to be from CMS head coach Greg Lonzo. Uh, I mean, I think there's multiple combinations. Like, I think both of us know each other so well. In the fourth game, you really know tendencies. You really know where shooters are going to go. Uh, and you have the opportunity to kind of overplay things and force change. And it's and as a player, it's tough to make changes mid-flight as things are happening right in front of you. So I think both teams are very comfortable with each other, so we know game plans. So, And then I thought both goalies played Incredible today. I mean, I thought Noah had a great game, you know, making saves that we needed him to make. He made three or four just clutch saves in the second half to, to keep them keep them from scoring. Um, and Murat made some incredible saves as well in that second half to, to keep us at bay. And I think the frustration kind of started showing a little bit in that fourth quarter, taking a lot of kind of shots that were out of rhythm, out of sequence. And, you know, again, I think once you play each other four times, you run into those circumstances where the players know each other so well as coaches, there's not a lot you can do to to change the structure. They're going to play how they're going to play, and you just got to have guys that man up and kind of finish shots and, and do great things. And, and they had that today. And I got, again, all the credit goes to Whittier. They did an incredible job of stymieing our offense and, you know, getting the, the five goals that they needed to win the game. All right, so yeah, I thought it was just uh, like the whole season, thi- like the whole season series thing, uh, just like really like captured my attention because Whittier won twelve nine the first time at Whittier, CMS won the second time ten nine at CMS, and then there was the thirteen to twelve Skyac tournament final, and then obviously this five to three game, and so um, like I just thought it was just really interesting just seeing like that fluctuation in the scores, especially the lowest scoring one happening in the championship game, kind of like what coach said about um, like just knowing each other so well and like really like what more adjustments are there to be made and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, I just, for me at that point, it's just kind of like, you know, like you're just like putting, like you're just putting your hand in and like just seeing like who wins, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think like, this is kind of a good one for you um, cause you have way more coaching experience. Like, wh- like what would you be thinking about, like heading into like heading into the situation, like even like during the game and like seeing how it was all panning out. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with like the more you, I think with anything, yeah, the more you see somebody, like just you know what's gonna happen. I think in high school it's a little bit different because you rarely, I mean, you probably only play only twice. Like you maybe come across each other in a tournament, maybe, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, in high school, but I think like it definitely applies to club. Like I can just count how many times I've played like CDM in a tournament, Newport in a tournament, you know, SoCal, wherever it is, you play them like every weekend, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like by the time you get to JOs or US clubs or quals, I, I always feel like quals is like the biggest one. You've probably seen, you know, that team that you're playing, like, I'd say like at least nine or 10 times yeah, before you've been able to watch them a bunch too. Yeah, exactly. And so you kind of know, like he said, like shooters tendencies or something like that, but you just like know who to look out for. And even your players like understand how to guard somebody after so long, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, I know this girl is going to turn me or going to go for something here. So yeah, I think like coaching wise though, like when you're into it, you can like almost like call out the other team by, by you know, first name basis. Yeah. You know, well, yo, you know, like this, you know, player A is going to do this, you know, because you've like played them so much. And I think, yeah, it, it does go down to like the lower scoring games. I think like, when you see like JO's games, that's why they're all 
I think really low scoring unless you're getting bombed on. I mean, a team's like yeah. really good, but at most of the time it's like really low scoring because everybody plays each other so much. I mean, I think it's an incredible opportunity. You know, I think this tournament has been five, six years in the work with a, a countless number of discussions between coaches, admin, uh, USA Water Polo, conference commissioners. So to see it come to fruition and to see it come in this setting was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I, I think all of us were super excited with the the opportunity to play a national championship and, and really put our stamp on water polo and, and elevate the game. Um, and, and I think USA Water Polo stepped up tremendously this year to, to give us this opportunity to support this opportunity. And, you know, from what you can see of the tournament, it was an incredible setting. Um, packed stands in every game. A lot of people excited about the tournament. So I'm... I'm very eager to see how we go forward with this and, and how we can make it such a bigger event. Like I think it's very special for the athletes to be included in it the first year is, is awesome as a team and as a coach to, to be involved with it. So it, it, I think it motivated the team all year long. You could tell just by how we trained, the effort we put into things, you know, coming back early over Thanksgiving break to get back in the pool and train for things. You know, it's something that you can see that motivation <laughs> intrinsically in the guys and how they put the effort into the season. So I think having this opportunity is a huge thing for water polo in general, but for our team, it was a huge motivating factor. You know, you look at that Pomona game again in the semifinals, like we knew what was at stake in that game and, and you could see our guys flip it in the second half and really change the game at that point to get into this tournament. You know, and I think in previous years, that motivation is a little bit different at that point. It's more just to beat Pomona than it is to get into a national championship tournament. So I think the instant that this was announced and, and the support was there for it, you could see a drastic change. And I think every team's level of competition and focus and attention to detail. And uh, so this was the other um, like soundbite that we chose here, just because I thought it was interesting talking about like like motivation. Um, there's a big American holiday that fell right in the middle of this break called Thanksgiving. Yeah. That um you know I'm I'm sure CMS wasn't the only team to cut like to come back earlier. You know like figure out ways to train around it and stuff. You know I'm sure Whittier did. I wouldn't doubt it if Johns Hopkins and MIT did also somehow some way. Um, but yeah, I think like once. Like once this was announced that this was going to be a thing, like of course everybody's ears in Division Three has to perk up, you know how couldn't it? Um, and so, like yeah, I just I feel like it's just it's just really awesome because there's just something beyond just like your conference tournament, and then it's just like all right, like that was it. Or obviously like in the in the recent past, you've gone to the NCAA Division One tournament where you get bombed on by some team in a playing game and like. You know, hopefully you don't have to fly across the country for it and, like, miss class and, like, study mm -hmm. groups or whatever, you know. Um, and so I just, you know, like, just to see, like, where, like, that would change, you know, like, teams, like, planning of the season in terms of, like, training or, um, you know, like, yeah, just, like, how much motivated, more motivated you might be. Um, because, yeah, like, basically winning a, a Skyax tournament semifinal gets you into the like into this next thing you know so like it was almost like that game was riding even higher mm -hmm. which then is like dude that's that huge comeback by cms in that semi-final against pomona pitzer is like even more crazy in that perspective now so yeah hey yeah, you kind of touched on that a little bit yeah um all right so that was all from cms and uh then we've got some noise from the wittier poets the champs 
Well, so it's interesting, you know, I've been in quite a few championship games at different levels, and they always have a mind of their own. And you never really know what to expect. Well, you know, after the first quarter, we only scored one, but we had several wide open looks that we hit the bar. They made a great save. And my mind was thinking it was going to be, oh, this will be a more of an open affair in the, in the second half. But once we had that back and forth for a long time, uh, I think everyone was toast and their legs were gone. And uh, both goalkeepers had great games. Both defenses were doing great. Um, I, I never was really worried, and I'll tell you why, because a goal in that game felt like three. It was so hard to come by that two goals, you know, I was talking to, you know, some other guys and our athletic director, Rock Carter, and I said, you know, like, we were up by two, and we kept having us a couple close opportunities or shots, and we wouldn't put it away, we hit the bar, and I was like, if we get one more, it, that's going to be like having a six-goal lead, um, because both teams were struggling, so I, I actually was never worried and when you have a goalie that wants to have a performance like that and guys that want a shot block like that, it, it gives you a lot of control. You know, we, we had them, um, I, I guess, you know, re- really props to the boys for blocking the ball. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that was the first question that I had asked them, that answer there from head coach David Casa. Um, I, I feel like I had heard the quote before, but I must have, like, forgotten or something, just how he mentioned, like, championship games kind of take on a mind of their own. You know, it, I feel like it kind of goes back to which I guess like makes even more sense now considering like the Sky X semifinal and now this NCAA one. Just like I feel like semifinals are like harder games to win than the, than the championship game. And I'm talking about like more of the championship game than the semifinal in this instance. Like, because yeah, like once like you make it in, like who knows what happens, you know? Like Pacific yeah. could have very easily beaten Stanford, you know, in a way. Like you just got to get there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then, and then once you get there, yeah, like it's just, it's just things just kind of work out how they do. And between all the super offensive firepower water polo we've seen all the season long, I thought it was like kind of like a nice ending in a way. And um, yeah, just to see how it all kind of broke down like that. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, you said it before too. Yeah, the semifinal game is like the most important. And yeah, anything can happen during the game. Like they could have just as easily lost that game like getting shut out like that mm-hmm. um but i can't know i've only coached in i've never coached in like a cif championship game or a jo championship like could like a couple club tournament championship games and stuff like that but like nothing major but i think anything like anything with like a championship name around it or a first place game around it like your heart's already beating faster like no matter what like so, like, taking a mind of its own is, like, true. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, and I think just it just sprang to mind, like, it being at Whittier, obviously a super heavy Whittier crowd. Mm-hmm. Shouts out CPT. They got, like, five guys on their team from Commerce yeah. and stuff. Like, and I say that because, like, there's definitely, like, I feel like there's a palpable bond between, like, Commerce players, you know? Like, that's definitely a water polo community that's, like, very, like, family-like, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Like, everybody in CPT, like, you know, there's just, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like that, like that energy, like adds even more to like the game and how it all kind of breaks down. What does coach say about shot blocks? They're most the most important statistic. stat of the game. I, I told them if I didn't, if I could only take one stat, it would be shot blocks. I don't care about goals, but I love shot blocks and they bought into it. Uh, it makes me pretty excited to come up with a thing where I taught them 
that a shot block is more important than a goal for our team. You know, we celebrate goals so much, and, and oh, this guy is the best player, he has the most goals, and um, to me, shot block is a very selfless act, and there isn't even a stat, it's not recorded anywhere, um, but it's such a valuable thing because it's a turnover majority of the time, and then I know from playing, and we all know from playing, if you get shot blocked a few <laughs> times, it, you know, you tend more to try to shoot more, more precise, or or you tend to maybe not shoot. And uh, the fact that they bought into just a little simple thing like that, that we work on, and that was going to be our motto, was awesome. And it showed its head today. I'm really glad that, that they kind of spent time talking about field blocking and defense during this press conference. Um, just because, like, yeah, like, I was, while I was announcing the game, I was kind of simultaneously, like, just trying to think, you know, like, finding, like, that one spot, like, where things kind of turn, you know, and, like, you can kind of, like, builds your focus on that, you know, like when, like when we talk about it here, if you're like going to write a story about it, stuff like that. Um, especially like when you don't have like a bunch of trends and like having watched teams, you know, 10 times before during the year, um, you kind of have to just pick out one thing from that game. And I was having a really hard time doing it. And so that's why I wanted to ask them about it. And, um, yeah, it just, it all became like super clear to me. Like once they just like, we're kind of explaining like that, it was just like so much defense, like just like them taking bright on, taking pride on field blocking and five man and stuff and like how that just like it eats away at your def- like at your opponent like in a way that like doesn't really show up on a statue you know it's like not scoring like it's not like you guys scoring and them coming back down and scoring right away you know like that kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah it's super old school you just sound you know he just sounds old school the coach yeah talking about like what's the most important what does coach say about shots and all that kind of stuff so yeah. Yeah, definitely an old school mindset. Yeah, so it, it seems like it worked. Yeah, yeah, and um, like it, I mean, it made me even go back to because I saw their first matchup at Pomona when they won. That was you know like the first time they'd beaten them in like a while. Like I forgot how many years, like two years at least. Um, but like their goalie, Air Sauce, and like their defense like stood out in that one. You know, like they they held Pomona to at least one shutout quarter that time around. So it was just. In hindsight, I guess I'm kind of kicking myself because it sounds like maybe it was a theme for them all year. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, like I said, the the game definitely went by very fast. I don't know if that's because I just got done watching 33 goals get scored, get scored between two East Coast teams, but yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just to wrap up this uh, this little recap of the first ever uh, USA Water Polo Division Three National Collegiate Championship, Collegiate National Championship, um, yeah, just some words from... The three guys at the podium, Hans Dolchek, Coach David Casa, and Dominic Navarez, just about what the experience was like. Well, I told the boys before the year, um, let's be legendary. Let's win Skyak. Let's win the tournament. Let's win the first, you know, USA Division Three National, USA Water Polo Division Three National Championship. And they did it. And they had a lot of passion the whole way through. Um, so very proud of them. This is this is a team that should go into the Hall of Fame at Whittier College, and uh, I'll push to that to the the day I am gone from here. The moment that that banner is raised, I don't know wherever it's going to go. Like all of this whole team is just going to come together and look at it, and we're all going to be like, "Damn, we did that." Personally, I feel amazing. <laughs> 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 I can't stop smiling. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. Um, getting down here to the last couple of bits from the episode, 
Uh, USA women's team opened up the Canada Cup today with an 18-13 win against Russia. So there you go. Not letting the Kremlin get to you there. Uh, Maddie Musselman had four goals, three each for Kylie Neuschel and Arya Fisher. Uh, Gabby Stone and Ashley Johnson split time in cage. Uh, USA will play again next tomorrow against China. And the time says 5.30. I don't know what part of Canada this is happening in, so I can't tell you what time in a specific time. And then the USA will play Canada on Friday, and then they'll wrap things up with the Netherlands on Saturday. And then, yeah, the USA men's junior team, they kick off the world championships against, um, let's see, Italy tomorrow on the 12th. So by the time you guys hear this, that game will certainly be decided. It's at 7 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Ooh. And then they play on Friday against Iran, on Saturday against Montenegro, and then on the 15th against Kuwait before they head into the crossover game. Um, how do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to do well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there is live streaming if you have a subscription for FINA TV, which I don't know how much it costs, but go ahead and look into that if you'd like. It's a Disney Plus bundle. <laughs> FINA TV, Disney Plus, yeah. Um, and then, second to last bit, way too early pick for next season's NCAA Men's Champion. Okay. Uh, UCLA. Oh, yeah. look at you going going bitter rival. Against the grain. Dang. So you're just basically, basically USC has to come back to you. They have to text you first and yeah. be like, hey, I'm sorry. Exactly. Will you take me back? I'm always <laughs> the one to do it, and I don't want to do it this time. UCLA. Uh, Count it. There you go. Um, let's see. For me, uh, I'm going to go with Stanford back-to-back. Ooh, okay. Yeah. They lose Abramson, and uh, I think that's it. Do they even lose him? I think he's actually just a junior. Is Halleck only a junior? Pretty sure. I thought he was a senior. I don't know. But that's going to make a big deal. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Um, anyways, forget I even said that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but you guys are not going to want to miss our next episode. No. He's only a redshirt junior. Oh. Bitch. Um, because we have a special interview. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, uh, we've we interviewed UOP head coach James Graham uh-huh. about a number of stuff. Yes. So look out for that episode. It's just going to be, it's just the interview. It's just going to be you sitting there. <laughs> it's going to be like you were pulled up in a chair right between Bosco and I. Yeah. Having a phone conversation with Mr. James Graham, head coach of the University of the Pacific Tigers. Unlimited minutes data plan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Better, down, better download this to your phone before. Um, so yeah, there it is. Episode number 29 of the CrossFast podcast. Signing off. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.